Welcome to the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. Woo! Here we go again. Welcome back, everybody, to the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. Kyle and Jeff here with you again. And Jeff, how are you doing, buddy? Well, man, it's, uh, you know, we were just talking before we started here. I'm a little emotional, man. I'm, uh, my little man's turning seven years old tomorrow, so uh, we're kind of wrapping presents as we're recording here, setting up streamers, and he's a huge Star Wars fan, so we got these Star Wars decorations all over the place. It's, uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Seven years flies by, but uh, it's, you know, exciting at the same time, and it's, um, yeah, I don't know, a lot of emotions going through, and you know, all kinds of football news as well. We're 33 episodes into the podcast here, and uh, just like I did last week, I thought maybe we'd uh, talk about the ep- number 33 and who was our favorite to wear it. What do you think about that? Well, I think I hope that you have a list of names for me. I do, off yeah. Off I, my so, head, I can't think. I got it. Well, it's a weird number, so running back, basically. So current players, NFL-wise, you got Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, Jamal Adams, some of the all-times, Tony Dorsett, Roger Craig, and... Uh, NBA, though, you got Larry Bird, Scotty Pippen, Patrick Ewing, Alonzo Mourning, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, baseball with some Canadian content, Larry Walker. But I think this is where it separates the, the men from the boys. This is where I think your favorite's going to come. Uh, I don't know if you watched the series, the TV series Friday Night Lights, but uh, Riggins wore number 33. He was Ooh, a stud. Okay. Uh, Jackie Moon. Jackie Moon wore number 33. Oh, yeah. Uh, from Semi-Pro. Uh, <laughs> the movie's a, Semi-Pro, yes. Yeah. And Al Bundy. Oh, that it's Polk over. Pokai, Pokai. Yeah, it's that's all... what I figured. I say, I figured, yeah. So it's a unanimous decision. Uh, Pokai yeah. Albany is the is the winner for sure. <laughs> that's an easy. How one. you doing, man? I'm pretty good. It's been a it's been a busy week. It's been a you know a busy week for both of us. A busy week in the NFL, which is nice. We've got some some real deal Holyfield stuff to talk about. Um, I guess before I, I have a quick question for you, but before we get to that, I do want to know, I know all the listeners are dying to, and, uh, it won't spoil anything unless your son wakes up in the middle of the night to listen to this when we post it. But I got to know for a seven year old, like what's the, what's the birthday gift situation this year? Like what's, what's a seven year old's life all about right now? Well, it's really neat because this is the first time he actually asked for a certain thing. He was like... You know, he's he showed interest in you know Avengers and Star Wars and all these other things. But to, this year for his birthday, he wanted a Captain America toy. So uh, we got him a pretty sweet Captain America toy, and he's also really into arts and crafts. And he's been loving these little melting beads and uh, at school in his free time. So oh, nice. uh, we got him a melting bead set. He can do at home too. Yeah. So perfect. Pretty creative. It's pretty awesome. To yeah, see. that's sweet, man. That's good. No, I'm just trying to kind of preparing myself for what's coming up like we our little guy in a couple weeks is uh you know hitting the big 04 and uh he actually surprised us he he asked for only one thing he wanted a toy camera but one that really works that takes pictures and videos and he can go outside and kind of do his thing so yeah i don't really know where that came from but uh you know i like a little spielberg already He's gonna yeah be... <laughs> hopefully like it Hopefully. Anyways, uh, I did mention I got a quick question for you. So this is way too early. We don't know where things lie. We haven't even like started to look at our our uh, you know early draft rankings for next year. But there's one player that was on my mind because I was going through this week, getting the stats ready. Uh, we're going to be looking at the year in review for the top ten quarterbacks of 2020. And obviously this player is not on the list, but I know he's going to be high up your draft board. 
So my question is, what is our early fantasy draft ranking for Saquon Barkley? So just to kind of put things in context. Why do you have to hurt me? It, it hurts us both, man. I'm I'm with you. I I cut ties of one year earlier, and it took me to the title. I, the moves I made took me to the title, but I thought he was going to be on my squad forever. I was so pumped, but you know you have to be you have to be heartless in this business sometimes. But just to set the stage, just to give us the context, when he was a rookie in 2018, uh, he came into the draft as the consensus number seven overall, and he was the consensus RB5. He finished the year with 1,300 rushing yards and 11 touchdowns, 91 receptions for 721 and four touchdowns through the air. 2019, he had some injury problems. He missed some games. He ended up playing 13 games, still rushed for 1,000 yards and six touchdowns. His receptions were almost in half, 52 receptions for 438 and two through the air. Coming into that year, though, he was the consensus number one. And then this past season, he was the he was the overall consensus number two behind only CMC. And obviously, we know how that worked out. He only played in a game and part of a game. He had a total dud week one. He finished the season with 19 rushes for 34 yards and zero touchdowns. So... We can't forget about him. He got hurt so early. He's going to be bouncing back. It sounds like he's he's feeling good. He's ready to go. Where do you think Saquon Barkley is going to fall in that uh, you know in that first round of players, or does he fall in that first round of players still? Uh, well, absolutely, I think he does. If, like we're talking redraft, obviously, and and just a not a dynasty league or anything like that, where you know potentially Jonathan Taylor would leapfrog him in my books, but. It's, Saquon's still an unbelievable talent. Um, you know, last year was a complete anomaly. He just lost the year. The year before that, he played through a high ankle sprain. He came back early, still put up a thousand yards with the rookie quarterback kind of taking over the helm. So there's all kinds of reasons that he could have struggled that year, and uh, still put up big numbers. I love this guy. I, I basically gave him away in our league this season because I was all in, and he was useless to me in that in this year, and I've regretted it ever since I lost. So um, I would take him one. In the top three overall, for sure, no doubt in my mind. Okay, so I guess give us your give us your top three then. Who's is what? Who's number one? Is it CMC? It's well. Let's do CMC it. This, let's do it this way. Us. CMC or Saquon? Yeah. If it came to you and both those guys are up, who would you take? I think I would take Saquon. Okay. What about Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry or Saquon? Uh, Saquon, I have Henry. I love him, but I just I have I have Jonathan Taylor higher than Henry. I have Dalvin Cook higher than Henry, and I think I would still I you know I kind of just talked to myself into it. I think I would take Saquon first overall. First overall, okay, all right. Well, then I don't need to ask any more uh, player comparison questions. I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. First overall is a little high for me, even with the extra recovery time. Um, you know, the only the only player who I think. I think we've ever seen kind of an immediate no holds bounce back from that that uh, ACL tear was Adrian Peterson, right? Um, and that was kind of a shocker. Obviously, players can come back and play, but it might take some time. Um, yeah, I don't know if if I was looking at those players we talked about and some others. I think I'd have Saquon a hundred percent in my top five possibly top four um i actually have uh dalvin cook i think as my way too early 
uneducated guest number one overall for next year. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think I've got Cook. I think I would probably go CMC and then possibly Saquon there. Um, and depending what depending what happens, possibly Saquon and possibly even Jonathan Taylor. That high up. So how would this change if it's a dynasty league? Uh, well, if it's a dynasty league, you know he's still a, he's still a young player, but with that. <clears throat> with yeah. that injury and just the situation overall with the Giants, um, I would probably, I'd probably bump Cook down farther, I think, and I would have, I'd have some combination of uh, Taylor, CMC, and Saquon in the top three, um, notwithstanding players that are coming into this year's draft, I guess. It's wild because you know Clyde Edwards-Helaire was a you know consensus first-round pick in a lot of fantasy drafts last year, and he's not even on our list that we're discussing right now. So it's crazy how much value it can change in a year. And I, I don't want to get too off-topic here, but it, in, in my spare time, I've kind of been like getting back into trading cards and sports cards, and I'm following them on eBay just to, to kill my to spare time here. And based on the values on eBay and what cards are going for, people are way bigger believers in Justin Herbert than they are in Joe Burrow. And I kind of wanted to bring that up with you. Like, how would you value those two if you're starting a new league? Which one would you take, Herbert or Burrow? A new, like, fantasy dynasty league? Yeah, exactly. That's a uh, brand I new think, dynasty you get. Uh, yeah, I think I would have to go. I think I would have to go Herbert over Burrow, which, uh, you know, coming into last year, would definitely not have thought that at all. Um, but part of that, honestly, was due to the fact that Burrow had the job unencumbered by anybody else. And Herbert, we didn't know what was going to happen, right? Like, was this going to be a Jared Goff or a Patrick Mahomes where they came in and sat behind a veteran for most of the season? Um, but he obviously got his chance right away and he showed what he can do. Uh, we talked about him last week. I don't expect quite as big of things from him just because the defense is going to be improved. There's new coaching staff. Um, but but overall, you know, he showed what kind of a playmaker he can be. And he still does have, I think for now, I would say better receiving weapons um, than they have in Cincy. He's got better protection and he's got a better defense that's that's uh you know not putting him into kind of desperate situations maybe um i'm excited to see both of these guys and obviously with burrow um i don't know if you were counting this as part of your formula but uh you know he's coming off of a massive injury and just like with saquon we don't exactly know what it's going to be i i expect him to be ready it sounds like he's planning to be ready um, but you know, ready and a hundred percent are two different things. And obviously football players are rarely a hundred percent during the season at any time, uh, after the first day of training camp, but, uh, coming off of something like that, it just, you know, kind of TBD, I guess. But, uh, but I'm excited to see both of these guys, hopefully for a long time in the NFL and in fantasy. Yeah. Big time. And I feel the exact same way. And, uh, you know, I think Burrow won't be a hundred percent, probably, for a couple of years, but, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Hopefully he makes a full recovery and, you know, sees his full potential. But uh, we got tons to cover um, as far as fantasy news this week, all kinds of stuff happening with the franchise tag. So what do you th- say? Why don't we uh, jump into the fantasy news? Let's do it. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. 
So, yeah, the biggest news of the week, other I mean, franchise tags and all that, but Dak Prescott, man, we were talking about him last week and what the Cowboys would do, and, you know, we were talking about a minor cleanup surgery a couple weeks ago on that ankle, but uh, all worries are squashed in Dallas, and they've signed their franchise quarterback four years, $160 million, $126 million guaranteed, and a no-trade clause, so uh, any any hopes of flipping him for Russell Wilson are also squashed. So, uh, yeah, Dak Prescott's staying in Dallas for a while, and uh, that's good for all the playmakers in, in Dallas as far as fantasy goes. And, uh, yeah, what do you think of this? Well, you know what? I like it. I uh, I don't know if I'm quite as passionate as uh, Michael Irvin saying that they've got the – well, for some reason he said they've got the closest thing to Tom Brady in the NFL, which – I'm not sure if he realizes that the actual Tom Brady is also in the <laughs> NFL, so maybe he misspoke. But uh, I don't know if I'd, I'd go quite that high. But uh, you know what? They know what they've got. Um, you know they've had they've seen him for years. They know what he's like in the locker room. They know what he's like as a leader. Um, that we saw the you know what he started off with at the beginning of last season before the injury, and it was just magic. And you know what? All this talk, like it's fun to talk about them, you know, flipping him, moving him, moving on from him, going after Watson, going after Russell. But ultimately, you've got, you know, a guy who's in the upper echelon of quarterbacks in the league. And I'm glad that uh, old Jerry got off his wallet and, and put some money where his mouth was. Um, your team needs a quarterback and it needs to know that it needs to know that you believe in the guy and this deal tells you that yes they do so now it's up to him to prove it right now it's up to him to uh, to take them to the next step have that playoff success and uh, use the weapons he's got like they you know they brought in Amari Cooper they drafted CD Lamb he's still got Zeke he's still you know like they just today they restructured contracts with three of their starting old linemen to keep them around but also free up some space like the team is giving him every chance for success now he's got to get out there and do it yeah well they got to do something with that defense for sure hopefully he left some money on the table for them to address a lot of needs on that side of the ball <laughs> um one a uh, guy who he didn't get the deal he was probably looking for, but he did get. He's going to get paid this year. He got franchised. That's a uh, guy from your team there, Allen Robinson. Uh, Chicago stepped up. They decided to uh, hang on to their best playmaker. So I'm not sure exactly what the wide receiver ride receiver franchise tag is going to be, but it's expected to be just under 16 million this year. Uh, so he'll be in Chicago. Uh, we don't know yet who's going to be throwing him the ball. But, uh, you know, Allen Robinson's a guy who his career kind of has taken a funny path, right? Like, he had monster numbers when he was in Jacksonville, and that was with, like, Blake Bortles throwing him the ball. And uh, he got injured just when he was coming up to his chance to go to free agency, and the Bears kind of took a chance on him, and, and he's proved them right all the way through here. So hopefully he has another big year, and... Uh, you know, can get paid next year, maybe something a little more long-term. Absolutely. I th- and this guy's a stud. He just has never had a, a really good quarterback. He's had bum after bum, and he still puts up numbers. He gets lots of targets. Um, you know, the Bears have been rumored with Watson and Russell Wilson, and, I, you know, they've made bold, bold moves at quarterback before. We saw him make trades for Jay Cutler and, and moves for – other quarterbacks so I'm really hoping they do something like that and add a you know a legitimate quarterback and Robinson can actually 
see show the world what he's capable of. But uh, you know, he's this guy's capable of it even with a bad quarterback. He can still put up fantasy relevant numbers. But I want him to be like top five in the league, and I think he's capable of that with the right quarterback. So. Yeah, I guess it's going to be in Chicago, and uh, I'm not thrilled as far as, you know, having him on my roster in our Dynasty League, but uh, he eats up a lot of targets there, and they're hard to come by, so you never know what can happen in a new situation. So uh, another guy who's not going anywhere is Super Bowl champion Chris Godwin, and Tom Brady obviously wanted him back, and (laughs) Bruce Arians said, okay, Tom, whatever you need, buddy, we'll bring Chris Godwin back. And, you know, if he was one of the free agents, I'll cover the list of free agent receivers after we cover these guys here, but uh, I think Godwin would have been the best receiver on – on the list based on age and his ability. So, uh, but he's going to be in Tampa Bay for one more year and uh, chasing the second ring with Mr. Brady. Absolutely. And you know what? Why would you mess with it? Right. They're going to try to run it back. They've got Brady. Um, We're going to, I guess we'll maybe talk about it right now. Like Brady is restructuring his deal again because he wants the team to stay together. He wants them to add and improve because he wants to go for it. Um, and part of that is he said he wants to extend the contract. Like he signed a two-year deal originally. Um, and obviously year one was pretty successful. So uh, he's looking to stay beyond. You know, there was talk a couple weeks ago of he thinks he can play beyond the age of 45, which I think he's 43 now, right? Um, right. So them keeping Godwin, that's a huge piece of that receiving core. And uh, the other the other thing I was reading today is that the Bucs are saying – this one-year franchise um, is just kind of a gap filler before they offer him a bigger deal. Um, so, yeah, who knows? You know, they're obviously happy with what he brings to the table. It's a nice skill set to complement what uh, what Mike Evans has on the other side of the field. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's disappointing for us, I guess, that we don't get to talk about all the places he might go. But uh, good for them, I guess, for locking up their guy. The Lions, though, they did not lock up their guy, and not really a big surprise. They're going to let Kenny Galladay go to free agency. I don't know why. It wouldn't really have made a lot of sense to me with what's going on there. You know, new coach, new coordinator, new quarterback, a lot of young pieces. I don't know why they would have tried to to franchise a guy who obviously was unhappy, Missed most of last season, even though, you know, you never know what's going on. But it seemed Uh, like he was kind of his injury status was up in the air, let's say. Um, But he didn't end up coming back to play. Uh, Interestingly, you know, they've got Jared Goff. And uh, the only returning member of the receiving core right now is Quinton Cephas. Remember that name? He had a couple of, I think he had a couple of games that were kind of, you know. I started him. Wow. Yeah, week. but you That's started in, uh, last, last year. Time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. He did, um, yeah, he did like eighty yards and a touchdown. But yeah. No, that's uh, they got some work to do all over the place in Detroit. So I'm not surprised, like you said, that they let uh, Kenny go. And uh, yeah, I mean, he kind of headlines a huge list of free agent receivers. Like after the tags have been given out, some guys got tagged, like we said. But uh, the list is Kenny Galladay, Juju, Will Fuller, Corey Davis, Curtis Samuel, AB, Sammy Watkins, T.Y. Hilton. Marvin Jones, Nelson Aguilar, and A.J. Green. Like, there's tons of talent uh, available at the receiver position. So, you know, we were talking about Burrow earlier not having the weapons. They could add a guy or two to T. Higgins and co. and turn that around really quick. So there's tons of talent at that position. It's going to be fun to watch how this all plays out. Um, kind of jumping ahead on where the notes are as well. The salary cap is 
is listed at around right right now about 182 million dollars this year which is a lot lower than the 198.5 i think it was last last year but uh the reason i'm bringing that up is because they're talking about a lot of guys are probably gonna be looking at one-year deals and re-entering the free agent market once the the cap comes back to a normal number assuming you know the fans are back in the stands and everything covid is is behind us so um, there's even rumors of super teams forming because guys are only going to be signing one-year deals. So it's going to be a really, really crazy offseason free, uh, free agent-wise. And uh, I can't wait to watch and see how this all plays out. Definitely. Um, and that's kind of, I think, what the Bucs were saying with Godwin. Like, they're they're giving him this one-year payday, but they're going to wait till they see what happens uh, before they kind of commit long-term. I don't know. How do you feel about that idea of super teams? Like, you know, obviously the NBA is the the poster child of leagues when it comes to, uh, you know, superstars kind of all flocking together. Um, I, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm hopeful that that's not the case because to be honest, it's killing my interest in the NBA right now. Like obviously you, you look back to the decision, like how many years ago where LeBron took his talents to South beach and then Chris Bosch left and went there and then, you know, flash forward, like, LeBron assembles his team in Cleveland, which, you know, that was not really a super team. That was just him picking some pieces, and then he had to go against the Warriors, and then KD joined the Warriors, and then now you got the Nets. Like, it's just, it's turning into a mess, man. The Lakers, the Clippers, it's like there's 28 teams that are just playing regular basketball, and then four teams that are just like all-star. It's like the Globetrotters come in some nights. I don't know if that would be. I don't know if that would be fun on Sunday afternoons to watch that. Like it's not as easy in football either, right? Like you got to fit the scheme and salary caps and all this jazz. Like I don't know if you can just get together with your buddies, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's like the one-year deals is really interesting. I can see a lot of guys doing that and you know betting on themselves, staying healthy, and entering the free agent pool again when there's actual you know not that there's not going to be real money, but you, you know what I mean when there's the the big numbers out there again and they can sign that long-term deal it's it's gonna be wild yeah and i guess that's the thing right like what's the what's the trade-off like where do you bet on yourself staying healthy for you know is it for two million extra for four million extra a year versus taking a three or four year deal with some guaranteed money where you just know okay like no matter what happens i've got X coming at me instead of one year where you could play two games and get hurt. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's I don't, well. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they're gonna have a lot of choices. I don't think the offers are gonna be out there, so they're gonna be like, yeah, I guess I'll settle on a one-year deal and hope I stay healthy. And fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, this next guy is gonna show us if there's offers out there. Aaron Jones was not franchised by the Packers. Uh, so obviously they could still offer him something long-term and sign him. Um, maybe they just didn't want to do the franchise tag, but if he goes anywhere, he can become an instant, you know, true bell cow, number one running back three, three down back. He's going to get paid. If he, if it's not by green Bay, he's going to get paid. I know Miami is one of the big, uh, potential landing spots that I've been hearing a lot. Um, I don't know. I think if he's, I think if he's out there, even if the Packers want to sign him, if you're a team in need, you've got to be doing everything you can to clear room and just offering this guy the moon because running backs like that do not become available in their prime very often. Right. 
Um, I know a lot of people, it's funny because running backs are so valuable, especially in fantasy, a young kind of stud running back who gets receiving work and gets carries and has the ability that Jones has. That's like gold in fantasy because there's not enough of them to go around. But in real football in the NFL, you hear you hear a lot that those guys are almost expendable somewhat, and we've seen you know more and more teams replacing them with with kind of a tandem backfield. Um, I don't know though with a guy like that, if you can get him on your team, um, you know at his age and with his ability, and you can give him the ball, you know twenty times a game, twenty five times a game. You've got to be pretty excited. That can kickstart your offense in a way that not many players can. So yeah, I'd be I'd be moving heaven and earth trying to get Aaron Jones onto my NFL franchise for sure. Really, eh? you like him that much? It's it's so hard now. I mean, running back is such a weird position. Like you said, it's so valuable fantasy wise. But I mean, Aaron Jones. I think he was drafted in the fifth round. So it just shows you don't have to use a lot of draft capital, and you can find talent like this. I know he's kind of an anomaly, but there is talent out there in the later rounds. And, you know, we see guys like Le'Veon Bell and these other running backs get these big contracts and don't perform the same way when they switch teams. So I think with the cap going down and running backs not getting paid, I don't know if this guy is going to get the deal he's hoping for. I don't think teams are going to move both heaven and earth for him. Um, but I love the talent. I just don't I just don't think the teams value the running back position like we're used to seeing, it, especially like we do in fantasy. Well, here's the thing, though, man. I don't disagree with you that there there are talented running backs out there and you can get talented running backs in the draft. But think about rookies coming in and how highly some of these guys are talked up, right? Like earlier on, you talked about uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And obviously, he didn't have like a mega dud season. He had a good season. Um, he contributed. He was inconsistent and had trouble at the goal line sometimes. But think about some of the names that you know over the last few years guys who have come in and as fantasy as fantasy managers we see them coming in and we think oh yeah this is going to be the guy um you know even as even as recently and obviously a situation changed but like Keyshawn Vaughn in Tampa Bay he came in and the talk was oh yeah he's going to replace Ronald Jones it's over he's going to be like did the guy put pads on this year I don't know. He did. Uh, Maybe. Yeah, once or twice. He didn't didn't do a lot. You know, look in Detroit. They've got DeAndre Swift right now. That's, like, he's a stud. But you know who their stud was two years ago? Carrion Johnson. Everybody looked at him coming out of college, and this is so good, and Detroit's going to have a running monster, and blah, blah, blah. Look back before, now this must have been pre-Derrick Henry days. Think about uh, Tennessee. Does the name Bishop Sankey ring any bells? I saw oh, Bishop. Actually. I saw Bishop, Bishop Sankey. Sankey bells are so dusty. You can't even I hear saw him going like I think third overall in a rookie draft. He was the third rookie taken oh. because it just was so clear that he was going to get the work. Like all these guys are studs. Everybody who goes to the NFL is a stud. But you are taking such a crapshoot sometimes because you could get Aaron Jones in the fir- in the fifth round, or you could spend a late first round pick and get a guy who ends up being a special teamer. This is a guy who's in his prime, and you know exactly what you're getting. I don't know. Anyways, we can't talk about Aaron Jones gonna, all day. I, no, and we're going to talk about him a little later on. Actually, when we cover the running backs from last year, so let's rip through the rest of the news here. We got some guys that didn't get tagged. I'm just going to fly through the. Let me if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, 
Another guy's like we talked about Aaron Jones. Chris Carson's another running back on the market. Obviously, health has been a concern for him, but he's bell cow capable. If he stays healthy, he's got the ability to stay on the field for all three downs. Um, Chargers didn't uh, uh, franchise tag Hunter Henry. They did last year, but not this year. So he's uh, probably the best tight end on the market between him and Jonu Smith, who also didn't get their tag. Um, real quick, which one of those two do you like better, Jonu or Hunter Henry? I th- I like Jonu personally, man. I think Jonu suffered a little bit having, um, oh, what was his name out there in Tennessee? Uh, you know what I'm talking about, their tight end that anyways, Del- Delaney. Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker. Uh, I think he suffered having him in front of him. Hunter Henry was kind of the big hype guy, but uh, yeah, I like Jonu. I think I think he could bring a lot to a team. Yeah, and he's a yard after the catch monster too. He's a like freak athlete. So um, yeah, I like him a lot as well. Um, big Ben restructured his contract, so uh, it sounds like he's going to be back as a starter for the Steelers, and you kind of assume that they're going to have a better running game next year, and maybe not to have so much pressure on him. And the defense will be healthy. Um, I got high hopes for the Steelers. I think he saved like fifteen million dollars mm-hmm. by restructuring. I think that around that was the number it came down to. So, I mean, the Steelers are still up against it, but uh, they have been able to restructure some contracts, like you mentioned the Cowboys did earlier. So, hopefully, they're able to add. Uh, you know, you know, we're not usually too busy in the free agent uh, market, but uh, you know, it's always nice and exciting when they do add. So, hopefully, we're able to do that. Yeah, no, for sure. I saw it right after he did that. Juju tweeted out, "Okay, now let's talk." Uh, I don't know if they, I don't know if they have eyes on that or whether they're just going to let him walk. I know they need to replace Pouncey at center, um, and obviously the run game is a big concern. Yeah, and we didn't franchise tag Bud Dupree. That was the guy kind of mm. people thought we would, and uh, we didn't. So we hope, obviously, you know, he's a great stealer. It sounds like they're ready to rock with Alex Highsmith on the outside linebacker next year, and uh, you know that's what the Steelers do. We're a linebacker factory. We draft receivers well as well. So. Hopefully that continues and we lose Juju and, and Dupree, but uh, on to the next. Yeah, the thing with Bud, too, was he was actually our franchise player this past year. Um, and obviously he got hurt late in the season, but he was he was fantastic. But it was like, I don't remember how many million it was, and they would have had to pay him another 20% on top of that to franchise him again. So I'm not sure if they're going to try to sign him. I'm sure lots of teams are going to be offering more money. Um, but I think it just didn't make sense for either side. Like for him coming off injury, uh, I don't know that he'd want only a one-year deal. And for them, they just couldn't pay that much. Like I remember last offseason, they were already taking criticism for paying the franchise tag once uh, for that kind of a player. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens anyways. It's, it's going to be exciting for all 32 teams. Um, you mentioned it a little bit. Uh, the Cowboys obviously are out on Russell Wilson, um, but his agent, Russ's agent, came out and said he did not demand a trade, but he'd be okay with it. And uh, it seems like all this sneaky stuff out of out of Seattle. Both sides are saying, no, no, we don't want that. But really, he's kind of saying, yeah. So other than the Cowboys, the teams that he said he'd be he'd be open to going to were the Saints, the Raiders, and the Bears. And Chicago is actually there's rumors coming out of there that. That is their off-season priority now. They've got Robinson locked up, and they are going to be going after Russ hard. Please, 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 please. That would be so nice. <laughs> It'd be insane to watch uh, him talk- and Rodgers go back and forth twice a year every year. Twice a year, exactly. And then 
probably again in the playoffs. Like, yeah, yeah it's, it's. I hope it happens, but uh, I mean, if I'm Seattle, I don't lose Russ. We'll see. Well, it's not going away, is it? That rumor just won't go away. Yeah. Every week, it's just some new aspect of it, and it's a new tweak. And it, oh, yep, now it is going to happen. I don't know. It feels like it more and more, and it blows my mind. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, the Giants. They're uh, they're working on actually the guy that we talked about off the top of the show, Saquon Barkley. They're uh, talking about his fifth year option. Um, and whether or not to pick it up. It's going to be interesting what they decide to do. They're kind of at a crossroads with their lineup, I think. Sounds like they're sounds like they're long-term committed to Daniel Jones, but uh, we'll have to see what happens, I guess. Um, and the Ravens, they are, they're doubling down their commitment to sign Lamar Jackson long-term and also sounds like they're working on something for Mark Andrews. So obviously they want to feature him a little bit more. Um, and, uh, you know, build on the success that they've had. And uh, we had a little scare, Jeff. It was, there was a lot of rumors going around that uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, was being released from the Dolphins and he was done. He was hanging up the cleats and I was kind of putting together a little career in memoriam section. But uh, now, you know what? On the third day he rose again. It sounds like he is not done. He wants to play again. There are teams looking for his services, so we are going to have a little bit of Fitz magic. He's Fitz back, back trick. Ooh, I wish he didn't say that, but I'm glad he's back. Yeah, that's what? amazing news, and I was worried. <laughs> well, the, the, I'm too, not even going to try too, to. Too the, funny? You already chopped it up. <laughs> yeah, too, way too funny for me. Uh, but it is good news, and uh, I'm sure he's going to end up somewhere where he ends up starting by the end of the year. He just seems to do that no matter where he ends up, so. Uh, that's good news. Um, Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts is going to be their starting quarterback. They've announced they're not going to have a you know a starting competition. There's not going to, not going to be any of the nonsense they had at the start of last year when they drafted this kid. So uh, all the power to him, and hopefully he can turn that franchise around for Eagles fans. And a uh, little weird news I just saw right before we went on the air. The CFL and the XFL have begun discussions about possibly working together somehow. Um, I have no idea what this would look like, but you know, the rock is now involved. He's one of the owners of the XFL. I was thinking about this. If this, the only way it doesn't fail for me is if the rock actually plays, if he comes back and puts straps on the pads, I'm tuning in. Well, he was a CFL player back in the day. Yeah, he he spent, he spent time with the Argos and the Stampeders, I believe when he came out of, uh, Miami before he, before he turned to wrestling. Um, yeah, I saw this. I haven't I haven't uh, looked too closely at the details, but it sounds like they would maybe continue to operate in tandem, um, but have some games against each other or something like that, like almost parallel leagues. Um, you know, remember about 25 years ago, the CFL did have uh, teams playing in the States, right? There was a team in Baltimore. There was yep. a team in Houston. Um <clears throat> so it's Vegas, not I'm pretty sure Vegas has yeah Vegas I believe yeah it's not unheard of uh the CFL I, it's not I don't want to say it's in trouble but you know of all the there's the big four sports leagues in North America and obviously you know up in Canada here this is this is our game it's a little bit different um you know the players on the field are a little bit different the field dimensions are a little bit different the ball's a little bit different the obviously having only three downs instead of four is a little bit different um and and it has suffered with without uh being able to play games and without being able to fill their fill their stands 
So I'm sure they're exploring lots of options just as a means of how are they going to weather this storm. Um, you know, it's been it's been well over a hundred years that the CFL's been in action. It is if you ever get a chance to take in a game, it is fantastic. Um, you know, living in Saskatchewan, that was one of the best things was driving down for rider games. Um, you know, it's as it's as good as any pro sports atmosphere that you can imagine for sure, right? Like Seattle has a twelfth man, Sask or Regina has the thirteenth man. That's our that's our kind of thing out there. So I don't know if this particular scheme would kind of work out for everybody, but uh, I'm glad that they're exploring things. And like you say, like The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, he's not an idiot. He wouldn't be uh, he wouldn't be even sniffing around this if he didn't think that there was potential for it to work. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. Something we'll have to follow, I guess. Eh? Yeah, absolutely. Anyways, let's move it along here, buddy. Um, yeah, man. We have a lot of uh, fan business and then a lot of fantasy football business to get to. Um, <clears throat> you threw out a question at the end of last week's episode, and we got some feedback from our listeners, which is awesome. And then, uh, and then we got a little a little email action too. So uh, let's get to it right now. Let's dip into the Falcomaniacs fan zone. Oh my God! <laughs> I'm a fan, sir. I am a fan. So last week, we asked you, the listeners, for your movie name tag choice, and uh, it's nice. We got actually more than just, you know, one or two answers. We had, to, we had to nudge a few people, I think, to give us their thoughts. Now, this is, a, this is a tricky one because it's not only just about what do you think is the best movie or what do you think is your favorite movie, because this is on your name tag. This is like a talking point. I can speak from experience that... Total strangers will come up, and while you're getting something ready for them, they will bring up the movie on your name tag and try to initiate conversation. So you got to kind of account for that a little bit. So why don't we look at what some of the listeners said, Jeff, and then uh, and then before we get to our other emails, we can we can talk about our choices. Does that work? Yeah, it does. And for the record, I am always that guy. I always start a conversation, and if somebody's in training, I say, "Ooh, when are you off training? And what are you going to put?" So oh, of I, course you guy. are. Are you the guy who opens up his inside coat pocket and unrolls his Spider-Man 2 popcorn bag and asks for a free refill, too? No, 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 no. But Jeepers. I have been known to just flash an old movie ticket and say, yeah, I was already in there, and just oh. walk into anyways. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's, not get yeah. Oh, yeah. You're not fooling anybody, but I'm sure I'm not paying they, for Corky sure Romano. Like, <laughs> I'm willing to watch oh, it, boy. but I'm not you paying. You paid for that with your time, buddy. All right, so um, our first our first response, and it was immediate. It was the next. It was the day we posted. Uh, Reed, one of our loyal listeners, he emailed us, and he said, "I'm sending this right away, so I don't forget." And he gave us a little bit of a list. So his top three that would go on his name tag were The Big Short, Shawshank Redemption, and Silence of the Lambs. Three like just untouchable movies. All three great. Big Short, a little bit newer. Shawshank and Silence, more classic. Uh, but he also gave us his number one superhero movie, and that was Deadpool, and his number one sports movie of all time, Remember the Titans. So, you know, some pretty interesting choices, pretty classic read, I guess, if you know him, but uh, I like it. I like him too, and those first three are all bangers, man. The Big Short, I watched it like, I watched it twice in three nights because I just Ooh. couldn't stop thinking about it after the first time I watched it. It was, uh, yeah, really, really well done. I love Adam McKay. Uh, Steve Henning had an answer, and he did this thing properly. You get one answer. It's a simple question. 
<laughs> you get one movie. Uh, he chose Fight Club, and uh, I mean, obviously a great choice. And uh, you know, we broke down our favorite Tyler's on the list a few weeks ago, and Tyler Durden was right up there on that list. So uh, I'm obviously a fan. Um, and then we put this out to our group chat just to kind of get some more chatter. It was funny. You put it out there in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen's group chat and said, hey, guys, come on, just uh, you know, let's get some answers. And it was so perfect because it just it was our league to a T. You know what I mean? Like, first we had guys give even more than one answer. And then, like Todd said, Tommy Boy or Lord of War, both great movies. And then Bednar just said, call me the dude. Like, he doesn't even give an answer. It's like trying to set a draft date with these guys. He's like, yeah, I'll draft. <laughs> Uh, so Big Lebowski would be his, I think. And then Marty was like, I kind of broke the question. He just says Tom Hanks, and, which is an amazing yeah. answer. But it's just like that's classic. You know, every fantasy league, I think, not just to be specific about ours, but every fantasy league has that guy that kind of finds loopholes and, you know, there's no rule against it. So he writes Tom Hanks. And that's all I could think of is how these guys, it's just so perfect. Our league could break down any of the simplest of questions and just show themselves so well. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, absolutely, man. It was it was good, and you're right. Marty is that guy now. Thankfully, he doesn't take it to the extreme as uh, some other players in other leagues. That I'm sure I don't need to say their name, or Tyler's going to stop listening. But uh, yeah, we got lots of action in that chat, which was great. Uh, Craig, who wrote in last week with his ultimate fantasy lineup, and he was a little he was a little steamed that we uh, gave him grief over his stat picking, but. You know, he came through again. He went with Shawshank Redemption. Nice classic. Uh, Tim came up with the Goonies. I love that. That would be oh. that's like a great name tag movie because you're yeah. gonna get you're gonna get a lot of talk about the Goonies. And uh, Whammer, not but, not I'm sorry. A, how, oh yeah. How many times are you gonna hear "Hey, you guys" before you're like, "Ooh, maybe I gotta change this." Oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, for sure somebody's going to talk to you while you make their popcorn and then they're going to walk over to the condiment station and then you're going to hear it from across the whole theater. Hey, you guys. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you're going to be getting a secondary name tag to rotate for sure. And uh, Whammer's pick, not a surprise at all, but one that uh, it didn't even cross my mind, but knowing you guys and knowing him, this oh. is this is a no-brainer, right? Major League, 100%. Um, and then uh, our old buddy Tyler, he he gave us a lot of material to talk about. So let's get to his movie choices first. Now this is he's a bit of a connoisseur. Um, I think he misunderstood the question. Maybe I did. I did kind of give him grief because he said he listened to the whole episode and then not the last ten minutes, so he didn't actually know what I was talking about when I asked him. Oh. But uh, Tyler, he wants to come back on. Yeah, he wants to come back on. He's pushing it. But uh, Tyler, he works in film. Uh, he's a cinematographer. Um, actually working on a show right now. I want to get him on in the next couple of weeks to talk about this uh, this project he's working on. But he gave us, he stuck to the superheroes. He stuck to what we were talking about. So he agreed top superhero movies were Batman and Dark Knight. Batman Returns, which I don't mind Batman Returns. He said it's his favorite Christmas movie, which maybe we're going to have to have the whole, you know, diehard Christmas movie, Batman Returns Christmas movie debate one day. But uh, he threw out a choice that I really, I really, really liked. Dick Tracy. Are you? Uh, were you a big Dick oh, Tracy yeah. watcher? Oh, dude, classic. I love Al Pacino. Love Al Pacino. So I watched anything he was in. I'm pretty sure he won an Oscar for supporting actor for that. Oh, it's so good. I remember watching that on VHS at my cousin's place when we were kids, and it was just, you know, it was great. We had some of the action figures, like 
Yeah, forget yep. about it. Um, now he did. I don't want to get too into this because I know we're I know we're uh, way over the time we should be for only getting to our way second over. segment of the show. <laughs> but uh, I do want to address quickly. He had a couple comments. He didn't really like our Watchmen pick. He he loves the graphic novel. He thought the movie was a bit of a bit of a you know dog's breakfast though, and he did not like the changed ending. I gotta say, Tyler, I hear what you're saying. As a big fan of the graphic novel, I liked the movie, and this is why. Number one, it's it was already a difficult project, right? The guy who they tried to get to direct it in the 80s, Terry Gilliam from Monty Python, who's a big director too, he said it was unfilmable. Alan Moore, who was the co-writer, he said it was unfilmable. Um you know, and they did it. They they got it on they got it on film and released it and it was coherent. They did a lot of shot for shot recreations of panels from the comic, which I loved, and that was obviously a shout out to the fans. And the ending change, I don't wanna you know, I don't wanna give too many spoilers, this isn't a movie podcast, but uh, the ending change it bothered me a little bit the first time I watched it, but it kind of started to make sense to me because the the way that it ends in the graphic novel and the whole the whole kind of plan, it would just make it a little too far-fetched where they were going for a little more kind of truer, more realistic. <laughs> so I like that they I like that they did something different, right? I remember a professor of mine telling me he went to see the movie Planet of the Apes because there was a book and it was his favorite book. And then it got to the ending and you find out that they're on Earth. Sorry, spoiler alert. There's a 50-year statute of limits. It's over. (laughs) 50 years is over. Uh, You find out they're on Earth. And he said he almost threw up in the theater because in the book, that's not what happens. In the book, there's a real... (laughs) different planet and they have to escape from it and all of a sudden he's seeing the movie of his favorite book and it's totally different and uh he said it almost like ruined his life at the time but uh you know he all tyler did give a shout out to the watchman tv show though and to uh and to wandavision i haven't watched wandavision but the watchman tv show is great so uh yeah we appreciate the feedback well i'm not uh, that huge of a watchman f- fan i hadn't read the graphic novel before i saw the movie so i didn't know that the at the time when that they flipped the switch on the ending but uh yeah i mean obviously some great choices we have to cover our own here buddy before we move on real quick what oh, would you right. be sorry so i uh so i have a few that were real my very first one was snatch right guy Ritchie film with his his usual crew and brad pitt definitely still a top three movie for me all time and always will be um, I had one that was Jurassic Park. That was a big, uh, that was a big crowd favorite. I had Watchmen when I went back, as I mentioned last week. And I had one that was a personal favorite, but not, you know, it was a good conversation starter, but nobody really knew it. It was a movie called Mean Machine. Have you ever heard of Mean Machine? Well, you've heard of it with my Mean fantasy Machine. team, I guess. Mean yeah. Machine. Yeah. That's so basically it's another Guy Ritchie movie. It's with Jason Statham and Vinnie Jones and all those usual cast of characters. It is a British remake of The Longest Yard. It was made in between the Burt Reynolds Longest Yard and the Adam Sandler Longest Yard. And it's basically the exact movie except with soccer instead of football. It is fantastic. It is so good. It is so funny. It is the action scenes are amazing. The you know it's great. Anyways, we got to watch it sometime. But uh, needless to say, not a lot of people coming to Silver City in London, Ontario, have seen the British version of The Longest Yard. So 
Uh, got a lot of questions about that one. Not a lot of uh, not a lot of comments of how much they liked it. But uh, we got to get to some. Oh, sorry. What's yours? What's your name tag movie? Uh, I would well, I would put One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest uh, with the Rounders being a close second and The Departed a close third. Um, but One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is just. I think it's a perfect movie. Oh, it's so good. Have you? I think we've so, talked about this before. Sorry, have, not to not to get off track because I think we're gonna move along to something else here. But uh, but uh, have you read the book of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Did I lend that I to you not, ever? Or I, talk to you about it. I actually it, have a copy of it, but I haven't got around to reading it. I highly recommend, and I don't know if anyone in our. Uh, if our listening audience uh, are much of book readers, probably not if they're listening to us talk every week. But uh, if you're ever looking for something, you know, great story, whatever, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. It is close to the movie version, but it's told from first-person perspective a big chief. So it's not, you know, doesn't, uh, doesn't focus on the Jack Nicholson character the way that the movie does. Fantastic. Classic. 100%. Oh, man. So I don't know if I told the story on the podcast earlier, but the first time I watched that, Marty and I were together and we watched it and he actually passed out and fell asleep. And we were watching a DVD copy and I was just completely captivated from the opening seconds. And the DVD skipped. The, um, again, we're in a spoiler alert, but uh, the second when, when Chief grabs the pillow, Big Chief grabs the pillow and puts it over McMurphy's face and then it skipped to the end credits. Oh. And it's just the music playing. So I'm like, I don't even know what happened. <laughs> Like, I don't know, McMurphy, like, f- struggled out of it. So then I had to, like, go on YouTube, and it was a whole process to find the the real thing and see that, you know, Chief ends up grabbing the sink and busting out. But, yeah, I watched the movie, loved it, and didn't actually know the ending for, like, a couple, you know, I think it was a week or a, a week and a half before I figured out how to find the ending. <laughs> see, and I knew that scene before I even watched the movie from The Simpsons. I think there's a Simpsons episode where Barney Gumble does that, the one where Homer's in a coma he does that to homer and then throws the water fountain out and jumps out oh really yeah oh yeah anyways we have some business that we need to get to and i do want to mention it because otherwise we're going to get 10 angry emails tomorrow but uh we've got a couple of emails from tyler we teased them earlier but i think we're going to hold off on those till next week jeff we got a lot of business to get to and he raises a couple of good points we want to give it the attention it deserves um, so we're gonna we're gonna hold off. So this is this is teasing for next week, preview for next week. We've got a couple of emails from our uh, our number one fan, Tyler Walzak. We're gonna get to some stat comparisons and uh, you know break down a couple players that he took issue with of our picks. But uh, let's yeah, from get the to, ultimate teams from right? the ultimate teams from last week. Yeah, that's right. But let's get down to business here. We've got our year in review. We're looking at our number one to number 10 running backs from 2020. Run, Forrest, run! From that day on, if I was going somewhere, I was running. So, number one at the end of the season, and if you had him in week 16, you were pretty happy Alvin Kamara from the Saints. He finished with 932 rushing yards and 16 touchdowns, 83 catches for 756 and 5 through the air, 340 fantasy points using our scoring system. He was great. He was, if you had him at the start of the year, he was a dynamo. But these stats are a little bit misleading, Jeff. If you look at his overall, 
like through the through every game. Week eleven to fifteen, he was in a slump, right? Breeze was hurt, Hill was in, then Breeze was back, the offense wasn't quite working. He didn't score over twenty points once between eleven week eleven and week fifteen. He only averaged fourteen points a game. Until week 16, and we all remember what happened. 54 fantasy points, 6 touchdowns. Look at his final stats. Even if he had scored 20 points in week 16 instead of 54 points. And remember, he didn't score 20 points for 5 weeks leading up to that. Even if he scored 20 points, he would have finished as the RB4 instead. So next year, we have got we don't know who the Saints quarterback is going to be. It still isn't official, I guess, that Breeze is retiring. It could be Jameis, could be Hill. How do you feel about Alvin Kamara going into 2021? Well, that's the biggest question for me. Is I mean, he's a stud. I mean, every year of his career, I think he's had 75 catches or more. And, you know, I think this 55-point outburst in Week 16 is just kind of the you know him regressing back to his averages. And, you know, we put up duds the four or five weeks before that, so we had to even things out with his 55 points. You know, he's a 300, 350-point running back every year. And... Uh, but it's really it's going to come down to who is the quarterback and how they how do they utilize him next year. I think if it's Taysom Hill and he's you know vulturing touchdowns, it's going to be bad news for Mar owners. And if it's Jameis, uh, you know, will he do what Breeze did and check it down as much? It's it's a lot of unknown, and that's the main reason why I flipped him and traded him in the offseason of our dynasty league. I just don't like the uncertainty. I mean, sure, Sean Payton knows this stuff, but uh, without the, the Drew Brees back there, I just didn't know how I could trust Alvin Kamara, so I, I decided to move on. Yeah, no, and I don't blame you, really. I uh, I actually flipped him early last season because he had the hot start and I needed receiving help in another league. Um, and then down the stretch, I was feeling pretty good. But, uh, well, till the end of the season, I guess. <laughs> He's such a stud, though. He just like he can take it to the house from any part of the field. Just give him the ball in space, and he makes it look easy. But, uh, yeah, running back is such – it's a – it fluctuates so much, um, but the last couple of years, this guy number two on our list, Derrick Henry, he's been near the top for the last couple of years. You know, he put up two thousand and twenty-seven yards on the ground with seventeen touchdowns in a year. People, you know, we came into it, they're like, is he going to start wearing down? He had a lot of carries last year and just gaudy numbers. Nineteen catches, one hundred fourteen yards through the air, three hundred twenty-three fantasy points. Uh, you know, his season was kind of all over the place. You know, it looks great at the end of the day, but. Uh, he scored in the 30s in three different games, single digits, though, in four different games. So it was not very consistent this year, um, and it's hard to trust going forward. Again, the workload, is it's still got to be a question. I know this guy's a monster, and he's bigger than everybody, but the, he doesn't get involved with the passing. I mean, I talked about 19 catches for 114 yards is nothing, really. And, uh, yeah, I just don't know if he can continue to handle this workload, especially as they run into the playoffs. And, and continue to perform like this. Obviously, I don't expect another 2,000-yard season, but even 17 touchdowns is like, you know, I could see both of those numbers getting cut in half. In half? Holy moly. Like because well, it's still of, be a good year. Like 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns is like nothing to scoff at, but it's yeah. not what we're used to with Derrick Henry. See, I think he's going to be closer to what he was. I don't expect 2,000 yards again. I don't expect 17 touchdowns, but I don't think you know, 1,700 yards and 14 or 13 touchdowns. I don't think that's out of the question at all if he stays healthy. 
Um, I think he's just that kind of running back. The thing that was tough about him this year, I owned him in another league, and the thing that was tough was you couldn't even predict always when the big games were going to come. He'd have what looked like the juiciest matchup on paper, and he'd get six fantasy points. And then the next week, he'd go up against a top-five defense, and he'd run it down their throat for 32 points. Like You had to just start him every week. He has the ability to win you a week, but he also uh, he also kind of was a dud. And the scary thing with him is if the running game's not working or if it's a game where they fall behind and they have to rely a little more on Ryan Tannehill, he's not getting that passing down work. So that's, I guess, the risk with him. But as far as uh, you know, a power runner in the league, I don't, I don't think there's anybody who's even in the same class as him. Um, and I, I think he's going to have another big year in 2021. This next guy, uh, I already mentioned it. He's my he's my way too early pick, uh, potentially for number one overall, and that's Dalvin Cook. He uh, he went for fifteen hundred and sixteen touchdowns on the ground, forty four catches for three sixty one and one through the air, three hundred sixteen fantasy points. So he would have been still ahead of uh, Alvin Kamara if there wasn't the you know the super mega explosion of week sixteen for Kamara. Now, the difference with him and those first two guys is he was just about as perfectly consistent as it could be. He only had one game in single digits. He only had three games all season without a rushing TD. Um, he, you know, he is involved in the passing game. I think that that could actually go up this year. I think that uh, I think that you could see a little more work out of the backfield because of his playmaking ability. Um, you know, 16 touchdowns might be a stretch, but I don't think that 1,500 yards is some gaudy stat that he couldn't replicate. The biggest thing with Cook is health. He has to be healthy. When he's on the field and healthy, he's fantastic. He's got a nose for the goal line, um, but obviously his history is a little spotty that way. But if he's healthy in that offense, I think that he has a chance to be the number one running back next year. Yeah, I could see it, absolutely. He's so explosive, and again, he's another guy. You, you give it to him any part of the field, and you can take it to the house uh, in the air or on the ground. So uh, I love the talent, and again, you know, like you said, it just comes down to him playing, being healthy. And like you look at Minnesota and what their team needs are, it seems like they're all on the defensive side of the ball, so not much I don't think will change offensively. And uh, yeah, he's poised for another monster year for sure, I think. Um, our next running back, you know, I, we put together this list, and I know this guy finished the year strong, but I didn't realize it was this strong. He's number four overall based on our league scoring. Uh, that's David Montgomery. He's uh, the Chicago Bears running back, obviously. Finished with 1,070 yards and eight rushing touchdowns with 54 catches, 438 yards, and two touchdowns through the air. Uh, 238 fantasy points. Obviously a huge jump from third to fourth in, as far as uh, running backs go. But, uh, yeah, David Montgomery was basically a tale of – Two seasons. He first half was awful for the entire Bears team. You know they're switching quarterbacks. They can't run. They can't do anything. He only broke twenty points once in single digits five times in the first nine weeks. And and then the last four or five weeks, he was a monster. He probably won. I don't know how many league titles this guy was a part of, but I'm sure there were a lot. You know what I mean? This guy was a huge fantasy producer. Uh, weeks twelve to sixteen, scoring six touchdowns in those five weeks, and only scoring under twenty points once, which was nineteen points. So, uh, you know, would the real Monty stand up? Like, which one do you think it is? Is it uh, the the guy we saw the second half of the year or the guy we saw at the start of the year? Well, I can tell you which one I hope it is since I made a huge trade to acquire him this offseason. 
Um, you know, he had a he had a nice schedule. That was one of his things down the stretch, right? There were four running backs, four guys who uh, people targeted, and we're talking about all of them, I think. David Montgomery, Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones, and Jonathan Taylor. These guys had just kind of a cushion matchup down the last four or five weeks of the season, but not all of them took advantage the way that Montgomery did. Um, he, he looked not great in week one. He had a good game of week two, and then it was just a mess. And it's funny because you said the bears couldn't do anything for those first weeks except win. All they did was win, right? They started five and oh, and normally when your team is winning, you think, oh, that's good for the running game, but it wasn't at all. And, you know, Tariq Cohen went out with injury. So he was a little more involved in the passing game, but they also kind of just stopped passing to the running back. And then he went out with concussion, and that really scared me. I almost acquired him partway, like near our trade deadline, and the thing that stopped me was I was like, I don't know if this guy's coming back. I don't know, whatever. And then he came back, and he was a monster. Like, he was so, he was just, you know, a set it and forget it type of guy. So I'm definitely crossing my fingers that that was more what we're going to get this year coming up. Um, a quarterback change might help that offense and open things up for him a little bit, but. Uh, yeah, it was impressive down the stretch, but overall on the season, um, you know, if you if you drafted him last year, you weren't happy at the outset. Um, another guy who was kind of like that too, and uh, we see this a lot with rookie players that their their start to the season is a little bit slower until they get the workload. Um, but this guy's pretty exciting, and his future holds big things. That's Jonathan Taylor from the Colts. He finished the year with uh, 1,170 yards, 11 touchdowns, 36 receptions for 300 yards and a touchdown, um, and 235 fantasy points. It was, like I said, it was ho-hum at the start of the year, but it was also a mess in the backfield, right? They actually started with four running backs. If you remember, Marlon Mack went out for the season week one. He was actually the starter. Um, they had Naeem Hines, they had Taylor, they had, uh, oh, I don't even know, I'm drawing a blank here, some other guy in white and blue. And it was a mess every week of who was going to get the ball. Like, Hines had a couple of huge games, and then all of a sudden, Hines would get two touches, and it was all Taylor. Uh, but once he took over as the alpha dog, he racked up yards, and he got into the end zone, and he, just like Montgomery, he carried a lot of teams to their fantasy titles. Uh, including our buddy Tyler. That was a big piece that he acquired down the stretch. Um, His final season stats. Now, this is something to be careful of because his final season stats are a little bit padded and it didn't help most fantasy players. In week 17, he rushed for 250 yards and another two touchdowns, 38 fantasy points. Uh, But overall, down the stretch, he was impressive. And so I guess just quickly, you know, we know who the quarterback is. That piece was settled. It's Carson Wentz. What do you think for Jonathan Taylor? Like, how high should we be on him? What's his ceiling look like for next year? He's like, man, if this is a dynasty league, I would consider him at the 101. I love him as a talent, and I think that O-line in Indy is incredible, and they realize what they have towards the end of the year. As long as Wentz doesn't botch everything, and I think the – Taylor's the most important piece of that offense, and their success rides on number 28's back. I think he's an absolute beast. And, um, yeah, I think he could be the best running back in the league as far as early as next year. Ooh. I love him. I love love the talent. I love the blocking that they have in Indy. Um, I think if it was Dynasty, like, honestly, my 101 would probably be, like, Tyreek Hill, I think, a wide out, but he he would likely be the first running back off the board 
uh, for me, you know, somewhere in the top three picks. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I guess it's not as shocking as I thought it would be to hear you say that you thought he could be the best running back as early as this year. When you said it, I kind of went, oh, and then as I hear, as I think about it, you're not wrong. Like he's got all the pieces in place for success. And now we know that the job's his. So uh, yeah, get your, get your shares of Jonathan Taylor while you can, I guess. Uh, yeah, man. And, and like, you know, every year we, we think last year was, you know, CMC and Saquon are obviously the one too. And where are they on this list? We haven't mentioned them yet and we won't because it's just <laughs> such a hard position to oh, spoiler alert. predict, right? It's, it's yeah. Uh, so we we got we we are gonna list the top ten here. We're kind of crunched for time, so we're gonna rip through the last five fairly quick. I think uh, Aaron Jones is number six on our list. He had uh, you know two hundred thirty five points fantasy wise on the season, uh, eleven hundred yards on the ground with nine touchdowns, forty seven touches uh, or sorry receptions with three hundred fifty five yards and two touchdowns. Um, he's a weird guy though. If you look at actual touches, I bet you him compared to the rest of the guys on list this list is is other than maybe uh, number nine. It's, you know, he doesn't, didn't touch the ball a lot. It was pretty crowded backfield in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers and Devonta Adams had massive seasons, which kind of cost Aaron Jones. And, uh, you know, he had a big week in week two with 43 points. And uh, after that, though, he only broke 22 or 20 points twice. So um, we, we talked about him kind of a little bit already this episode where, you know, his talent is there. And obviously he's going to a new team next, well, potentially going to a new team next year. And if he does, you know, where do you see his ceiling? Do you, where do you see him moving? Do you think he can move up higher on this list or he's going to stay right where he is or even, you know, what do you, what do you see for Aaron Jones based on where he goes? Yeah. My initial thought was that he could move up higher on the list, but uh, considering that, you know, those two guys that you just mentioned, uh, CMC and Saquon aren't up in that top five. And uh, plus the guy who's going to come in at number 10, he missed some time this season. And I think that he also could move up. Uh, I think if he had a, if he went somewhere and was a true number one and had a great season, he would probably end up right about where he is right now. Number six overall. Um, I think, you know, he's he's got the ability, but uh, yeah, I think that some of these guys are just a little bit little bit farther above. But, you know, it's, it remains to be seen when he gets a true, true three-down workload, if he gets that, uh, what could really come of it. Um, this next guy, you know, he was a fantasy darling. He, in terms of, in terms of value for what you, what you paid for him and what you got, he would probably be the best in all of fantasy this year. James Robinson from the Jaguars. Uh, I don't see him coming up to number seven next year, to be honest with you. He's an undrafted player, not just in fantasy, but in the NFL. He was an undrafted running back. Came into uh, you know a crowded situation where they had just let go of their bell cow in Leonard Fournette. Um, obviously, that worked out better for Fournette than it did for the Jags. But uh, you know he rushed for over a thousand yards. He had seven touchdowns. He caught almost 50 passes for 344 and three through the air. Uh, you know, 225 fantasy points. Bit of a bit of a gap from the top dogs, but uh, you know, for for what he was, a last round pick flyer or a, you know a week one or week two waiver wire pickup, unbelievable return. Um, he was just steady. He only had single digit scores twice all season. You could put him in your lineup and you knew that you were going to get somewhere between, you know, 13 to 18 points, maybe the odd 20. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. There's some there's some talk about whether or not the Jags are going to add somebody. They've got Lawrence coming in and a new, you know, offensive scheme. 
Um, I think if he's there by himself, he could have success. He could maybe be a top 12 running back next year. Um, but if they bring somebody in, I think that that obviously hampers him quite a bit. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, not expecting a top 10 finish next year, but, uh, it's impressive. Good for him and definitely a name to keep an eye on for next year. Yeah, for sure. And nobody was expecting it this year, especially me when I traded him away. Like this, <laughs> I just I had thought I had every reason to get rid of him. It's the Jaguars. They're garbage. Why can't they run? They don't have any weapons. It's just, I mean, kudos to him. But I, I yeah, like you said, they're talking about adding another running back. It just feels like a James Conner scenario a couple of years ago where he got the role and he kind of ran with it. No, no pun intended, but he kind of, you know, he put up a good year. But it, yeah. Uh, I think Robinson's it's a great story, but I don't think he's going to be on this list again next year, and I really, really hope he's not because I remember every <laughs> week after I traded him, just like you see the Jag score update, and you go, oh, please don't be Robinson. For fuck's sakes, it's Robinson. Well, who else is it going to um, be? Anyways. Not DJ Chark, well, I'll tell you that but, much. <laughs> uh, I love Chark. I love Chark, and I'm so excited for him and Lawrence to team up. Anyways, we'll talk about that at receivers. Uh, number eight is a guy you know near and dear. You you know were adamant he's never leaving your team. At the start of last year, halfway through the year, you traded him to me three times, verbally, via text, <laughs> and then it never came to fruition. But uh, Josh Jacobs, the Raiders running back, um, had another decent year. He was not uh, 100% healthy, but he still put up 1,000 yards, 12 touchdowns, had 33 catches for 238 yards, and 214 fantasy points. Um, you know, Coming into the year, I remember a lot of experts talking about how he doesn't get used enough in the past game to be an upper you know top five running back in the league and it uh, it happened again with only 33 catches uh, i think that was more than he had the year prior so hopefully that trend continues for his uh, if you're rustering him but uh yeah i don't know he's a hard guy to trust and that team is uh it sounds like they're going with their car they've got darren waller who's a great piece uh, uh rugs is there they're gonna they sound like they're in the market for another receiver so uh you know the offense could be pretty explosive if they add a piece or two but uh jacobs is obviously the key to that and uh I think I could see him moving up this list next year. He's uh, one of my favorite players to watch. He just uh, didn't put it together last year. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we mentioned it a few weeks ago. I traded him this offseason, and it hurt me to do it. I love him. I was so happy to uh, acquire him last season. Um, it blows my mind that even with all the, you know, the fantasy analysts were talking about it, but John Gruden was saying, we got to pass this guy the ball more. we got to get the ball in his hands. Uh, you know, they're talking about how their offense was going to change and more swing passes out of the backfield, and then they just didn't do it. And the thing is, coming out of college, the he's been a great between-the-tackle runners in the NFL. He's shown it two years in a row. He showed it as a rookie. He was, you know, he was fantastic. But the thing coming out of college that set him apart from other running backs was how good of a pass catcher he was. All this guy was known for coming out of the draft was being a good running back who was a great receiver. I don't understand why they continue to just look. I guess you have Waller, but like, why would you not look for that quick little six-yard pass that could turn into a 25-yard gain, you know, a few times a game? But uh, whatever, you know, not my problem anymore. <laughs> Sorry, Marty. And, uh, you know, he was he was up and down. He was like three bad weeks, one big, huge, great week, three bad weeks, one big, huge, great week. It was so frustrating. He was in and out. He was nicked up. He dogged the ball down to the end zone. And then they and then on the one yard line, they'd bring somebody else in to just punch it in or they'd bring someone else in on third down to catch the ball. So, you know, he's got the ability to move up this list. But I don't know. I don't know if he's really going to get a chance. 
Well, our last two guys, number nine and number ten, they actually play for the same team, which we don't see a lot in the top ten running backs, but, uh, you know, not unheard of. I think Kamara and Mark Ingram did it a few times. But uh, it, number nine, we've got Kareem Hunt. He, uh, you know, kind of a steal as well. You probably got him in the late mid-rounds, and he had the backfield to himself a little while when his uh, his teammate was out, but uh, he rushed for 841 yards and six touchdowns and then had another 38 catches for 304 and five touchdowns through the air. Um, so obviously touchdowns was a big thing for him. He finished with 200 fantasy points. Uh, he started off great and then filled in all right when Nick Chubb went down with injury. Down the stretch, though, he didn't really do a lot for your team. When Chubb came back, uh, they obviously went back to him in a big way, um, except for a big performance of Week 14. Hunt kind of disappeared. The thing with him is, is he's still an elite running back, right? Like, remember what he did and did as a rookie and as a you know as a young player in Kansas City. He helps make that Browns run game even more scary. They've got the blocking, they've got the one A and Nick Chubb, but having Kareem Hunt, it's like it's almost unfair. It's just like you know. Well, it's like they've got a fantasy backfield, right? Two two number one running backs in the same backfield. Um, he's almost being wasted in that backfield, though. And the thing is, he signed an extension last year. So he, instead of going into free agency right now, he's he's there for this season and next season. So uh, we know what we're going to get unless they move on from him through a trade. But, uh, you know, he's a name to watch. I don't think he's going to make it in the top ten. We've talked about some of the names that aren't in the top ten this year because of injury. Um, but definitely kind of a, maybe a later round guy that you can pick up and, and you can flex start or put in an RB2 once in a while, hey? Yeah, absolutely. And like as far as talent-wise, he's probably top five. But like you said, the scenario and the workload just doesn't translate to fantasy success. But, but I love him as a player. And, uh, yeah, his teammate Nick Chubb is number 10. He had 1,000 yards on the ground with 12 touchdowns. Obviously got banged up and missed some time. He still had 33 catches, 238 yards through the air. Yeah, I mean, I don't, as far as I'm concerned, is that these guys are monsters. And uh, I think Chubb, if he plays 16 games next year, he's going to be way up this list because um, obviously Cleveland knows what they have with that run game, and Chubb is just a beast. So I, I expect him to move up if he stays healthy. Yeah, absolutely, man. Only two games without a rushing touchdown. Uh, he's a monster. I think he, I think he probably will be underrated going into next year um, because of because of the guys who moved up this list because of uh, the injuries to Saquon and CMC. He might get overlooked, and if you can get him as your second running back, you're going to be in great shape. For sure, and just looking at the numbers, the receiving numbers, the Cleveland running backs, 38 catches, 304, and five touchdowns for Hunt. 33 catches, so only five less catches, 238 yards, and no touchdowns for Chubb. So if that evens out, you know, I mean, Chubb's going to jump way up this list based on a couple of receiving touchdowns and a few more yards. So uh, it's not... As, as lopsided as I thought as, as far as the passing work goes. Yeah, no, for sure. All right, well, uh, to wrap things up here, we've uh, we've got kind of a for fun question again. This is out to all the Falcomaniacs, all of our listeners. And uh, Jeff, you were kind of you were kind of throwing this one around based on our uh, our franchise franchise tag talk. So, do you want to throw this question out to the listeners here? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. So basically what we're thinking is, you know, you get we know what the franchise tag is in the NFL, but let's say you had to incorporate that in your real life. So here's the scenario, friends. Uh, you have to give up every snack 
in your life for a single year. Every single snack goes, but you get to franchise tag one of them. So you can keep one snack for a year. Which snack would you choose? Which one would you tag? I'll tell you what I would do right off the uh, the bat. I mentioned this to Kyle before we went on air. It's no-brainer for me. Decadent chocolate chip cookies and milk is the snack I would tag, and I would continue that for the year, and I would double up the tag for 20% more the following year if I had to. What about you, buddy? You know, I had to give it some thought. I uh, I wasn't really sure where I was going to go, uh, but I think if I looked in my heart, I know I know what the fans in this household want, and that is Ruffles All Dressed Chips. That is number one on the snack lineup. Uh, it's not the one that we pick every single time because it's nice to mix it up, but that's Old Faithful, and I think if I was only one snack for the year, that would have to be it. All D's. All D's all day. <laughs> I like it. I like Trademark, it. patent pending. Uh, Ruffles, yeah, not a sponsor, if, uh, but uh, maybe one day. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the same thing for Deccan. If you wanted like lifetime supplies of cookies or year, anything, just hit us up, friends. We're, oh, we're willing. This show might only last two years if we have a lifetime supply of cookies <laughs> and all dress chips. Anyways, folks. I uh, think this episode lasted two years. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I want a cookie. Uh, thanks a lot for listening. Um, you know, we went a little bit long and like we said, we've got some business to get to next week, but, uh, we're coming at you every week and it's nice that we've got some real football business to talk about and pretty exciting free agencies coming up here pretty soon too. So we're, we're getting right into the heart of things already. Um, if you want to reach out to us, if you want to, if you want to answer our franchise tag snack question or anything else about this week's episode or questions about your team or or anything you want to hear more or less of, uh, you can reach out to the show. You can send us an email at fantasyfalconfootball at gmail.com, or uh, you can drop us a voicemail on the Falcomaniacs hotline using the link in the show description. And uh, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We've got new accounts at Falcomaniacs. So uh, thanks again for listening. And remember, there is no Falcon off-season. <laughs>